In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. That's Psalm 23, verse 4, not quite as any of us maybe know it because it's from a metrical psalm, that great work of the 16th and 17th century in which the Psalter was put into rhyming verse for the edification and appropriation by communities of faith who could now sing these psalms, indeed, who could be acquainted with them at all. A rod and a staff do not seem like implements of comfort, however. We'll look a little bit at the structure behind this text. In the hands of the shepherd, and that is the context, they are used to bring the sheep into line, to drag and not to draw so much. Into line means back into alignment with where the shepherd wills the sheep to go, and that is out of harm's way. Now, shepherds either take up the lead at the front or at the rear, or both, if there are enough of them. If they sense the sheep are following, they will lead from the front, and if they sense the sheep are distracted and wandering, they have to lead from the rear to see where they're going and catch up with them later. So the rod and thy staff are a source of comfort. We hear that word, comfort, in the Hebrew, Naham, at the beginning of Isaiah 40. Nahamu, Nahamu, Ami, comfort ye, comfort ye my people. And for those who take comfort from the beauty of the King James, I certainly do, and that's how I quote it. Yet we have also heard the word, Naham, as part of the word for today, Exodus 32. We do not hear the word as comfort, we hear the word as relent. Relent as in turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Relent as in repent, regret, be sorry for what you have done. God's repentance, if you please, and not that of human beings. Relent not just as in, however, hold off and step back, but rather hang on. Gently, let your firm grasp be felt as an embrace. Step in, use that crook, use that hook. Be merciful in drawing us back. As indeed the Greek word in the Septuagint for this is hileos, have mercy. It's not stepping back, we're asking of God. That's the last thing we want. We're asking God to step in, like the good shepherd. Whether he calls us with a song, with his voice that the sheep know, or drags us back with a crook around the neck or the leg, we're saying we want to hear and to see your mercy in whatever form it takes. Like the lasso of the cow hand, then, the crook serves to tie you to the shepherd so you do not get away or go your way, so you maybe live to see another day. It's a takeover of our will not hostile in intent, but meant to suspend our freedom for a moment, the exercise of which might not be for our good. The shepherd could step back and watch us fall away, but no, and I've quoted this before, it's Luther, and it's worth hearing again. Thus, when the shepherd finds the lost sheep again, 
He has no intention of pushing it away in anger once more or throwing it to a hungry wolf. Rather, all his care and concern is directed to alluring it with every possible kindness. Treating it with utmost tenderness, he takes the lamb upon his own back, lifting it up and carrying it until he brings the animal all the way home again. Now, I don't know if picking a lamb up and putting it on your back as part of your range of experience is not part of mine. Sheep are not as much part of the lives of all of us as they would have been even here in Illinois a hundred years ago. So I've never experienced this myself, but our family do have shepherds in it. My distant but close cousin, Bjorn, in Breithalsvik in the East Yards of Iceland, has just given up his share in a sheep farm with about 400 sheep. He had showed us the last time Eric, my son, and I were there, the logbook in which he and all Icelandic shepherds since the ninth century record their sheep by name. They know each of their sheep by name and their identifying distinctive markers and their habits and their temperaments and the places they typically hang out. This is important for sheep are not fenced in in Iceland, but have the run of the place. And they can get to places that humans find inaccessible. And when the fall of the year comes and it's time to gather them together and then separate them back into flocks and then put them in their barns for the winter, a large segment of the population mobilizes. Now you've got to be pretty fit to do this work. But our son Eric, who has just been married, as some of you know, was at exactly this time last year preparing to go to Iceland for his sixth or seventh time, and this time to join in the sheep roundup. So shepherding is in the family. Now they use drones, of course, as well as GPS. The sheep have their ears notched according to patterns developed in the 13th century, but they are also tagged with microchips. But however you find them and get to them, you still have to get them and get them back. It's no easy task. This can take weeks, and you hope to get it all done before the first snowfall. Eric texted to us last year, I've arrived in Breithelur. Wind too strong to be able to open car door with it facing upwind had to turn the car around. <laughs> so it's very hard work and very good exercise, for despite the SUVs and ATVs and helicopters even that are used, much of it is still done by walking, which in Iceland means hiking and mostly climbing. Sheep are stupid creatures, that's universally agreed, and they have the exasperating habit of running away, just as you are about to lead them to safety. And they can outclimb and outrun you. So the idea of this little flock meekly trotting along behind their pasture through some idyllic and bucolic scene is just an idea, as any pastor knows. So what's this about? <laughs> like a good shepherd, God seeks us, his sheep. He seeks to gather us up, draw us together into his fold. And he will persist like those Icelanders, risking their necks through snow and ice for three weeks or more until all who are his have been found and brought home. Fine and good. But the God we so often seek is not the God who is seeking us, and that's a problem. We seek a God who is made in our image, but God seeks those he has made 
in his image. So as God seeks us, we tend to run. And as God pursues us, we tend to imagine the worst that might happen should he overcome us. We feel his wrath blowing down our necks. We feel God coming to grab us from behind our backs. We don't realize that he's coming for our good. And overcome us, he does, and thanks be to God for that. And whether in the wrath we expect and fear, or the love we hope for but do not expect, God extends his shepherd's hook and catches us off guard and trips us up and drags us to him. But if God is able to go to the lead of the flock, if we're already in tune with that good shepherd, if God can then draw us, attract us from the beginning by the sound of his voice, and all sheep know the sound of their shepherd's voice, just as all shepherds know the names of each of their sheep, then God's work follows a different pattern. We don't need the crook and the staff anymore. We let go of our grasp on that God which we hold in our heart, who holds us fast, and we surrender to the embrace of the God who, in beauty, lures us, draws us, not drags us on. This is the key word here, the beauty of the Lord, eros, love. Hans Urs von Balthasar believes that simply getting us to see Christ ahead of us is enough, if we can do it, to reverse the direction of our lives. That getting us to see Christ has enough power to convert, to transport us to a faith or knowledge of his dignity or mission from the Father, to keep us following him. Like those strong arms that gather up the unwary, unwitting sheep and lift them into the air and sling them over his shoulders, we too are raptured up, Balthazar's word, raptured, not captured, but raptured as in enraptured, given intense pleasure or joy and delight. We jump into his extended arms that he brings down from the cross to gather us into his embrace. We jump into his arms like children, looking for their father to lift them up and put them on his back. That desire, that trust, that joy, that beauty is, as Sophia Cavalletti has put it, connatural to us. It's embedded in our hearts. It's part of our DNA. A priori, we're born with that. All we have to do is connect that love with the word of God and the knowledge and the revelation of the goodness and sweetness of God. Cavalletti writes, between God and the child, which is a hidden treasure in the most secret core of the soul, there lies that sanctuary within each human person where one is alone with God whose voice echoes in one's depths. God who knows how to reach us and touch us with his sweetness, his goodness, his truth, and his beauty. To regain access to that inner core, which we seem to lose as the process of growing up, in scare quotes, adults so-called must be weaned from their urge to independence, to self-control, and learn to surrender all over again. To allow ourselves to be rescued, 
lifted up out of our despair, our fear, by the shepherd who never ceases seeking us out, however we seek to evade him. He knows us by name, and we know his voice. Let us pray that as we gather in our little flock, we learn more and more to recognize that voice, to trust that voice, and to see the beauty that is in everything that our Good Shepherd says and does. Amen.